from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. And we are back in studio for another episode of the Badass Counseling Show. I'm Sven Erlinson, your host. I am in studio with Rob. Say hello today, Rob. Hey, I am ready. I was born ready. Uh, doesn't surprise me at all. Doesn't surprise me. KC, as always, is silent back in the booth, but we need her um, at times even more than we need me. So it's great to have Rob and KC here. And we're welcoming all of our visitors in from around the world. And we thank you for tuning into the Badass Counseling Show we know that we have visitors from as far away as New Zealand and South Africa, Japan, Great Britain, and a whole lot from Canada too. A lot of Canadians, and I love it. I love it, as well as across the United States and other countries around the world. We've got a great episode tonight. Our guest tonight is Kelsey. And Kelsey has a unique set of circumstances, and we're looking sort of at parental stuff and parent issues and so forth. And Kelsey... Um, has a great story. Well, let's just get right into it. Go ahead, Rob. Certainly, Sven. Here we go. Kelsey wrote to us and said, Hello there, Sven. I'm a 26-year-old woman who struggles with my relationship with my narcissistic father. After having my son, I've realized that how I've grown up isn't the way I want to raise my children. And when I've tried talking to my dad about the things that I recall in my childhood, and after I had my son, he tells me it's all in my head and get over it. My mother passed away when I was 14 from cancer, so her husband has been in my life from the time I was one. I do have three siblings from my mother and stepfather. I am the only child between my mother and my father. After I had to move in with my dad after my mother passed, we hardly ever saw eye to eye. When arguments happened, my stepmom, also in my life since I was one, would also be always in the middle. My stepmom and my father divorced in my early 20s. My father would always degrade my stepmom for leaving because she wasn't happy. There are alcoholics on both sides of my family. Growing up with my mother and stepfather, I remember hiding my sister in the closet while packing our bags and calling the cops more than once because of the drinking and the holes in the wall and the broken windows. Moving in with my father, I had to leave my siblings, and I feel like I raised them. It was devastating. Moving in with him was so hard. I couldn't have my own opinions. He would read my private journal and texts. He had a microphone in my room's air vent to monitor me. There was very little communication about anything unless it involved him and how he felt. Now as a parent myself, he wants to be so involved with my life, but is breaking boundaries I have set, mocking me, making me feel like his relationship with my children is more important than ours to work out. There was absolutely no respect from him when I was in labor and delivery, and that has never changed. I would really like you to help me, Sven, because it's been so heavy on me for years. Any help would be amazing. Kelsey, welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have you here. I want to thank you. Uh, where are you calling in from, Kelsey? Um, close to Chicago. Kelsey, let's go ahead and dive right in. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Big breath, right? <laughs> um, Kelsey, I want to ask you, uh, in your 
basically your opening sentence or your second sentence in what you wrote to us. You said, after having my son, I've realized that how I've grown up isn't the way I want to raise my children. And when I've tried talking to my dad, you know, basically it's all in your head, get over it. I want you to tell me specifically in one sentence or less, you say, after having my son, I've realized that how I've grown up isn't the way I want to raise my children. In one sentence or less, how have you grown up that's so fucking repulsive to you? I just want to be better than my parents before. And I just, I want to just be more emotionally there and like mentally there and just want to do better, I guess. But I also think that that's just a normal thing to want when after you have children, like you always just want to do better than the parents, than what your parents did. And so the single biggest thing then, and I'm going to invert that question and uh, rather, what do you want to do differently? Let me uh, ask the question this way. What was the single biggest thing that they did wrong that you most want to do differently? Um, Alcohol was a huge thing. Um, I don't drink much, so I don't do that now. Um, Communicating is a huge one as well. I want to have a good conversation with my child if there's something that is bothering him or even what I said or did. I want him to be like, mom, ooh, that, that really bothered me. I want him to be able to come to me and we can have a conversation that I'm, your feelings are so valid. You are, you are hundred percent right. I just want to be able to communicate and talk to my kids about everything and them not feeling like shame or anything. I, I love all of that. That's a great answer. I mean, it's great. Uh, just so we're clear, you know, I want to be able to talk to my kids. Aren't what you're really saying is you want your child to be able to talk to you? 100%. 100%. Right. Which implies that what they got wrong is you felt you couldn't talk to them, that your feelings didn't fucking matter. Would that be accurate or inaccurate? Accurate on my, with my dad. My mom, when she was alive, it was opposite. I felt like I could come to her through anything, even though my childhood was not very good with the drinking and all of that. Because when she uh, found out she had cancer, the drinking really subsided a lot. Because I think it was like more of like a mental awareness on her side of like, oh my God, I don't even know how much time I have left with my kids. So And, and it's interesting because I asked you, you know, Uh, you talked about this phrase, how I've grown up. And I said, what did they do wrong that you want to do differently? And you said alcohol. Okay, alcohol in and of itself is one thing, but what I want to know is what was the effect Mm -hmm. of the alcohol in their lives? What was the effect on you? In other words, what did it cause them to do or not do? How were you affected by the alcohol? Alcohol is a, a bottle on a shelf. That in and of itself is harmless. I'm wondering how did that affect them and how did it impact you? Being scared of what might happen. Um, with my stepdad and my mom, there was a lot of fighting and arguing. And I just, I, that one instance I remember, like, or a couple instances of calling the cops just because they were screaming and yelling and I didn't, I wanted to protect Gracie or oh, my siblings just to make sure that they were okay. And I, I, it's just, there's just a lot. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that they were safe and I wanted to feel safe. So then after my mom and all that passed, I was excited to essentially go live with my, my father. Um, Cause then I would be able to kind of be a kid 
rather than feeling like I had to constantly make sure everything was okay. If that makes any sense. <laughs> that makes actually, that makes total sense that when you talk about, you know, earlier you were mentioning that, um, you know, it really wasn't safe for your feelings and the expressing you want to be, you want your son to be able to share his feelings with you. Yeah. And because basically I wasn't, so it wasn't safe for your feelings. Then I asked about the alcohol and you said, I was scared of what might happen in the arguing. So it wasn't safe for you physically either to the point where you wanted to get your sister and get the fuck out of there. So you, if I'm hearing you correctly, your childhood, you didn't feel fucking safe. And then you move in with your father at age 14 and you just, and you're excited. You're jacked. It's like, oh, finally, I don't have to take care of my siblings, even though you love them and you enjoy taking care of them. You were finally getting your fucking childhood back. And then yeah, the responsibility, right now you don't have to carry responsibilities. You got, you know, fucking parentified at a young age. And so now you're free. You finally get to be a kid and you think you're free and bam, all of a sudden there's no room for you. Even now that it's all about the old man. Is that accurate or inaccurate? Hundred percent, you got it. Wow. Okay, so then it makes total sense that you don't want to raise your child the way you've grown up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, and so, let me ask you: What has been the biggest sticking point for you, or the biggest thing you're most struggling with, apart from your relationship with your father? And we're going to get to that in a minute. But in terms of you and your own, your own life with you, what has been or continues to be the biggest struggle in terms of you? I mean, you grow, you grew up feeling scared and that it wasn't safe for your feelings and so forth. Um, how is that sitting presently? And you talked about earlier that your parents weren't emotionally there and mentally there. So they were yeah. absent. They mm -hmm. weren't present in your life. You, you clearly got the message you didn't matter and your yeah. safety didn't matter. What's been the effect of all of that on your life up till now at age 26? Holy cow, that's a heavy question. What the fuck did you think we were going to do tonight? Of course it's a heavy <laughs> question. I'm Kelsey, you know my it. show. I'm trying to word it. What's been the effect? That's my thing that I said earlier. I just want to be better than my parents. I don't want my kid to ever experience that. And for me, I just feel just scared of being or continuing that. Okay, fair enough. But setting your child aside, I, I hear you loud and clear. You don't want that for your child. And, you know, no doubt you would feel like a total fucking failure if you did do that, you know, to your own child, right? Because the stakes are even higher when it's our own child and the sense of pain that fucking hell, I didn't break the curse. Okay. But setting your child aside, mm -hmm. I want to know what's been, the, what has been or is the biggest impact on you personally, even before the child came. What's the impact on you of getting the message that you're not safe and that your feelings don't matter? And ultimately, you know, your parents were emotionally absent and mentally absent. And so you didn't fucking matter. What's been the effect on you? What is it you most believe about yourself? Do you believe that you matter? Do you believe that you are good? Do you believe that you are wantable? Now, yes, because I have been doing a lot of work on myself with that and learning how to not only take like those issues from my past, but trying to make them like, okay, I am the way that I am because of those things. And I want to flip it. Like I want to, I'm going to do better. Like I, I am smart. I can do everything that I possibly can to be better. So I am just really, I, it's, it, that's a hard question to say. Cause I, it oh, is, you know what it, I mean? it is, but no, no, you did great. Kelsey, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we've gotten those messages in our life, 
that, you know, I don't feel safe and I don't matter. My feelings don't matter. Or the messages, I'm not good enough. Or I talk about these in the book, in my chapter on the binary gates. And when we get that message, what so many people do, oftentimes they're not aware that those are their core beliefs, that those beliefs got pressed into them. They're not aware. They just know, you know, I have negative feelings towards myself or I feel yucky. And so they try to power themselves through, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to force it. I'm going to just do happy things or I'm going to focus on the good. And the willpower only lasts so long. That's a good point. I can relate to that because I feel like after you just said that, like even like before, I always felt like I wasn't good enough. So I would overcompensate. So that totally makes 100% sense what you just said. Right. And and a person who doesn't feel good enough is going to go out of their way to serve others and give to others. Right. Because I want you to give me some love in return because then I get a little bit of love in my love cup. And it makes me feel good. Of course. But then poof, it's gone. Fucking hell. Now I'm back to I'm not good enough or whatever. So in other words, there's shit in your love cup. And and we can try to focus on the good and gratitude lists and hey, look on the sunny side of life and make the best. But in the end, it's like we've got one foot on the accelerator and one foot on the brake. It's like we're trying to go faster, but there's this internal brake. Something is fucking off inside. And it's just like, it requires so much effort. And it's because your love cup has been stuffed with messages like your fucking feelings don't matter. You don't matter. I'm emotionally checked out. I'm mentally checked out. I'm over here on alcohol or I'm doing my own thing. And you don't matter. And if a person has that message in their core beliefs, they're spending their whole life basically fighting themselves, fighting those messages, trying to be happy, yep. but they're fighting it. Would it be safe to say uh, that that's sort of reflective of your experience even up to today? thousand percent. Okay. So what we've just established then is you have those feelings inside of you uh, that you're not good enough and that you don't matter and so forth. And Kelsey, until those come out, no amount of willpower is going to make them go away. You literally have to get those out. And I'm telling you this, because if you don't, it will roll downhill to your child, no matter how hard you try to pass on positive messages. If your own feelings are of self-loathing and I don't matter, or I'm not wantable, I'm not lovable, whatever ones, and I talk about this in the book as well, um, that until those are out of you, they're still in you, and they will affect your child. 100%. And so I'm not saying this, scold- I'm, yeah, I'm not saying this scoldingly or anything like that, not at all. Just like begging you. <laughs> I'm trying to give voice to your son, things he can't say and he can't even conjure in his head for another 30 years or whatever. Please heal your stuff. Trust me, I've been working on it since been born. So therapy, counseling, writing, journaling, I've been doing the absolute fucking best that I can because I don't ever want my kid to feel this way. <laughs> Excellent. I, I And I respect the hell out of that. We're talking about generations and parents today. So I want to go back to what you wrote to us. But before I do, we're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back with more badass counseling. Don't you hate it when you go home for the holidays and your family members can't stop talking about how lazy the newer generations are? Do you ever feel like you or they would be so much better off if some of that generational shit in your love cups got cleared out so you can actually enjoy yourselves? There's a Hole in My Love Cup is on sale now on Amazon and makes the perfect stocking stuffer or gift around the menorah for those you love but want to just shut the fuck up or for those of you who'd rather spend the holidays at home snuggled up by a fire with a good read. Happy holidays from Badass Counseling. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. 
now, back to the badass. We are back with Kelsey, and we're digging deep and laying on the heavy questions, and she's being a real trooper and going into it. Kelsey, we've established that you got these messages when you were young, uh, that clearly you didn't matter enough for them to get off the alcohol. Clearly, you felt like you didn't matter enough for them to be emotionally present and mentally present, and you lived your life scared, emotionally scared as a youngster, and then uh, later on, you know, and and physically scared as well because of their alcohol use and abuse and try to get your sister out of there. And uh, and then later when you're living with your father, didn't feel uh, safe sharing your feelings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's huge. All of that. Huge. You wanted to come on and talk to your father. If you, want, if you were to sum up the entire situation with your father or the problem, sum it up in one sentence or less, if you would, please. Absolutely. Um, I feel like I don't have respect with my own boundaries that I have set. Um, like they don't matter. Um, and his life is more important than my own, than my own essentially, if that makes any sense, like his feelings are more valid than how I feel about a certain situation rather than like, it should be kind of meeting in the middle and like, Hey, let's have a conversation about this so we can move on. And instead it's not easy to do that because it's constantly, I feel like one-sided. Okay. And it's been one-sided basically your entire fucking life, right? Yes. Okay. And so let me ask you this then, what precisely do you want with regard to your father? What do you want? I just want to be respected as his daughter and also as a person. And that is pretty much it. I just want to be respected. Um, I just don't feel like I'm getting that. And the hard part for me is I know that a lot of his issues literally do not resemble anything that I'm doing. It's from his own stuff that he has never worked on or has even tried to work on. So it's like I I try. Why is that hard for you? Oh, my God, because I just want him. I just want to shake his head and be like, I love you so much because you're my dad and I want you around. But it's so hard to when I have a relationship with someone when you don't feel like you're being treated the best that you should be treated as an adult. What do you most fear with regard to your relationship with your father? What's your single biggest fear? Um, that he's going to leave. Oh, my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> leave this world like my mom did without having a conversation, like a, like a meaningful conversation to where we're like, good. Does that make sense? It's like with my mom, she passed away pretty close, but I was so young that I wasn't able to discuss my issues or like the things that happened in my life that like really affected me. But I try and do that with my dad and it's not the way that I would hope any conversation, any conversation would go essentially. And why are you tearing up? Um, I, I just, I love him and I want him around, but I just, it just makes me sad that I don't get the relationship that I want from my own dad. And if, and you said your fear is that he's going to leave without us having the conversation that we're good. If you were to have that conversation, let's just say it happened tomorrow. It's not going to, but let's just say it happened tomorrow and you realize we're good. Then what happens? That's the hard part is I don't think that we're still going to be good. It's always, no, it's okay, but let's assume, okay, but let's assume, and, and that's fair. And I get why you think that because it's never been good and it's always been about him, but let's assume, let's just pretend lightning strikes 
and boom, and it is different. And you get a month down the road and it's like, oh shit, it is different. And we're good. We really are good. And a year down the road, and it's like, oh fuck, this is real. We're good. Well, then what? Then I would love to have a good, solid relationship with my dad that I've always thought that we had when I was younger, when I would come over. And then what? And then what? You get you get that good, solid relationship. And then what? What do you get from that? Why do you want that? What do you get from a good, solid relationship with your father? I just think it makes me feel good. <laughs> Fill my cup up, I think. With what? Make you feel good with what? Just feeling like he's there and he's respecting me and he's loving me the way that I've always wanted to be loved or treated. Okay. So he would make you feel loved and then it would fill up my love cup, you said. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so, but that implies that your love cup isn't full right now. Right? Yeah. There's been a lot of issues in the past three years with that from just me telling him, hey, like you can come over this time from this time because he naps and oh no how about this time no dad like he's he's sleeping you can't come over at that time I'm not gonna realign my schedule for you like I just want you to respect is it possible for you to fill your love cup without ever getting the love you want from your father because you've got a husband who you say is great you've got a child who I'm sure is just the you know, the bell of the ball, just a wonderful <laughs> child. Of course, of course. Is it possible for you to fill your love cup without ever getting that love from your father? Without ever getting that fucking relationship that you want? Is it possible? Yes. And then why do you... It's just going to take a lot of work. What, and what is the single biggest piece of work it would take in order for you to be able to be happy and fill your own love cup without your father? What above all else would it require? I think it's just more accepting like the situation of how it is. Like it is what it is and it is how it is without having to feel like I have to change him or his. So you're saying right now you still don't accept it. I asked what would you have to do in order to be able to be happy and fill fill your love cup. And you said I would have to accept that this is how it is. Kelsey, I have bad news for you. You have a 26 year pattern of behavior on the part of your father. 26 years. Years. Let me ask you a question. How long have you been with your husband? Six years. Six years. Do you believe that your husband loves you? Yes. Oh, so wait a minute. So you have a seven-year pattern, six to seven-year pattern of behavior from your husband, that he's consistent, that he's loving, that he's whatever, and you feel loved. So you got a message, plain and simple, very clear from your husband over a six-year pattern, but you have a 26-year pattern more than four times the amount of time you've been and had the pattern with your husband, you have a 26 year pattern of behavior with your father and you still don't believe it's true. You still don't accept that this is real. You, that's how badly you really want it to not be real. <laughs> what, what was that? I, I didn't hear that. What? Blew my mind. Yes. <laughs> How sad is that? <laughs> so right, and it it is very sad actually. And I don't mean that in a way of, gee, look at you, you're so stinky, you're so pathetic. Not at all. That's how powerful the love that a child has towards a parent is that they would endure a 26-year pattern of abject neglect, of abject denunciation of your character of the utter destruction of any boundary you try to set up that's how much you love your parent and considering it's the only one you got left fucking hell of course you're going to do everything in your power and imagine how sad the day 
when you realize my mother is gone and she was a bit of a problematic parent, especially in the young years with the alcoholic, but my mother is gone. And now I realize I don't have a father in a way I've been alone the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Best way to clear that up. <laughs> I I want to I tell you what I heard and what our listeners heard, Kelsey. You wrote in the paragraph and a half that you sent to us, um, I counted nine things. Well, actually, I could go 10 and 11. Um, and I'm going to list them for you. You said, one, that your father, when you want to talk about feelings, he says it's all in your head. Two, you should get over it. You also said, um, when you moved in with him, I couldn't have opinions unless they were aligned with his. That's number three. Four, he read my journal. Five, he had a microphone in my vent to monitor me. Six, there was very little communication about anything unless it involved him and how he felt. Um, Seven, uh, he's breaking boundaries. Eight, mocking me, uh, presumably in your parenting, mocking, eight, that mocking, are you fucking kidding me? Nine, um, he acts like his relationship with his children is more important than his relationship to me. Uh, 10, he has, I got no respect from him in L, in the L&D room, in labor and delivery. Sorry, that's mm-hmm. about as big as it gets. It's your fucking labor and delivery and he's being disrespectful. I'm sorry, I'm getting really fucking angry right now. Uh, where are we at, 11? And soon after I got home, also, again, no respect. And uh, yeah, 11 things. I mean, that's some fucked up shit. Mocking you in your parenting? The, the hardest part for it is like, I can see where he comes from with some of this. Like you want to be involved. You want to be there because he wasn't really in my life 24 seven because of my mom's situation. Like I lived mainly with her. So like now that I moved in, he wanted to make sure I was okay. I was so safe. So he wanted to monitor me in these ways that he thought was okay. But obviously to me, I'm like, that's crazy. Like, that's not okay. Like, I don't want to do that to my kid. And then after like, he's so excited to be a grandpa. And I'm like, and I love that. But sometimes it's like suffocating. Like you have to let me live a life that I want to create myself. Like it won't be about you. I said, you know what I mean? That makes total sense. The bottom line is this. He has been rude and mean and hurtful, mocking you regarding your own parenting, ignoring your boundaries, the microphone in your vent, uh, the you know in the vent of your room, um, uh, disrespectful in labor and delivery, not honoring, honoring your boundaries. This isn't okay. None of this is okay. And the bottom line I is agree. this. Right. And I know you do agree. Of course. The bottom line is this. You're wanting something from him. You said respect. You actually said it multiple times. The reason you want this and you want him to respect you as his daughter and as a person, the bottom line is this. He's not going to give it. He's not going to give it. And the bottom line is this though. You're not respecting you. hundred (laughs) percent. You're wanting him. Yep. You're wanting him to be a parent and just be a fucking decent human being and come to it on his own. And he's like, nah, fuck you. Go fuck yourself. I'm going to do whatever I goddamn well please 
because fuck you. I don't respect you. I don't have to do anything you want. And it's all about me. And the bottom line is this, Kelsey, until you put the fucking hammer down, ain't nothing going to change until your pain of being treated this way and realizing that he's now parenting your fucking child. Your child is basically on his agenda. Even if he's not there, you're still operating. Consider this. You're still operating from the belief system. I'm not good enough. I don't respect me. You don't think that shit's going to roll down to your fucking child? If you're not respecting yourself enough to insist on boundaries or just Xing him out completely or whatever you feel you need to do, you are living from the belief, I don't matter. When it comes to the most power, formerly most powerful person in my life, my father, I don't matter. So that means you're carrying that into your own parenting. And that comes out in so many different ways, not just you know, your father coming over and wanting to be with the kid and not just that. I mean, you or your own belief that you don't matter is going to come out in other ways with regard to your child. And so the bottom line is at some point, Kelsey, the pain, the shittiness of realizing all this and living this way has got to get so bad that you finally stand up. When, when do you find, what would it take for you to finally, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute to stand up and not back down. So that's where we're at kind of now. That's where it's really heavy and harsh at in our relationship is because I told him, I go, I can't keep doing this round around thing and making it all about you. I've tried having conversations with you about what I want and how I want things. And he has not been around for six months. He has not seen my son. We have not gotten together. Um, And there was a Facebook post that I posted talking about, I just want to do better and he took total offense to it, blowing up on that. And I was like, I have all the screenshots in the world of the things you've said to me. Like, I, I, like I'm not going to post them, but like. I don't understand why you're still in conversation with him. You, it's like you're still begging him for respect. You're still begging him to honor your boundaries. You're, you know exactly how he's going to respond. I guarantee mm-hmm. that if, if you were to cut him out, if you were to reduce his time, if you were to anything, you know exactly how he's going to respond. The mere fact that you're still in the conversation is giving him power. And what's really giving him power is you still, you wouldn't keep him in this conversation of your life and you, unless you still wanted something from him. Something after 26 sense. years, you still believe there's a chance of you getting. And so as long as somebody has something you want, they have power over you. They have the power to make you miserable by not giving it to you. You're asking him, you're trying to be reasonable. You've been trying to be reasonable for 26 fucking years to no avail because the bottom line deep down is you're terrified of pulling back or potentially walking away from him and saying, listen, until you get your shit together, until you want to play ball like a decent fucking human being, you're out. And yes, that means you don't get access to your grandson. Now, assuming hopefully your husband would back you up on this or whatever, but the bottom line is until you stand up, until you stand up, ain't nothing going to change because you're still begging. You're still giving him the power, wanting him to change rather than saying, I don't even give a shit anymore. I love you, old man. I've done everything in my fucking power to try to convey that to you but I'm sick of this shit. You're done. You're out or, or reducing it or whatever you got to yeah. do. So let me ask you simply this, Kelsey, what do you most want to do in this situation? Not what do you most want to happen? We've already established you want him to grow up and become a member of the human fucking race. I'm asking you what you most want to do to rectify, to solve this whole fucking problem for you, for your child, for your family. I just don't want it to bother me as much as what it does. Like No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Th- what you just said was, I don't want him to bother me. That's you saying what you 
what you hope he would do differently. That's not what I asked. I asked, what do you want to do? See, there's a difference between I want him to not bother me versus I want to put up a boundary so that he can't bother me. See, in your sentence, you're still the passive player. I want him to not bother me so much. In other words, he still has the power. And I'm saying, when do you take the power and create, demand the very thing that you want and not back down? There's a difference between having him, I don't want him to bother me, gee, I hope he doesn't, versus I'm not going to let him bother me anymore. I'm not letting him in. So I'm asking you, what do you want to do? Not what do you want to hap- ha- hopefully have happen? You just hit the na- head of the hammer right on the nail. <laughs> oh my God. What do you mean by that? Say more, say more, talk. You just, yeah, you described it perfectly. What, what specifically? The me feeling that way with him, me feeling like being less than and he's still controlling the narrative. That's right. You are still wanting him to change. You still believe that he has all the power. That's the problem. You still see yourself as the little girl who has no power, no agency. It's just like, honestly, kid, you have all the fucking power. And what the only problem is you don't realize it. Somewhere in him, unless he's an absolute idiot, somewhere in him, he knows you have all the power. And if he doesn't realize it, then he's really, he's, he's playing with fire. He is potentially... He's about to lose his grandchild mm-hmm. and his daughter because he's been such a fucking dick. And it and you're sick of it. But the thing is, the difference between what was and what can be, Kelsey, is that for the first time in your life, you have to stand up and actually matter to you. Because you're not going to be able to stand up to your father and follow through unless you actually matter to you. And that is a completely 180 degree different belief system from what you've lived under your entire life because your entire life you believe you don't matter now finally you do so let me ask you this what's going on inside of you right now you're right (laughs) as i'm crying (laughs) what are you feeling what are the tears what are the tears talk to me i think it's more the realization of it all (laughs) knowing it inside but hearing it it's like well fuck okay (laughs) (laughs) And how will you go through life? You've been wanting your whole life to have the conversation, to have him back as your father, to have a realization. What What's it going to be like knowing that you, in a way you never had a family to begin with and that you're, both of your parents really are gone. But in, this sec, in the case of your father, it's not that he left or he died or anything. It's that you're either walking away from him or radically pulling back from him to protect your own self, to protect your family, to protect your child, et cetera. What's it going to be like to know that really your family other than your sister, you know, or whatever, that your parents are gone. Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) Right. And this is the, this is all the stuff you're going to have to face Kelsey in your own work, whether with a therapist or not, you don't have to a therapist. You can do it on your own. If you haven't read the book yet, you got to read it. There's a hole in my love cup. I haven't. Don't you worry. I'm on chapter two. I just got it last week. All right. And and you got to do the exercises. That's where the gold is. All right. Um, Kelsey, you are amazing. (laughs) You've been an amazing guest. And you just went right down there deep and you trusted me with your story. And it sounds like you're still uh, crying a lot of tears there and so forth. So we clearly hit some real gold here. Well, thank you. 
thank you. It feels good. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you saying like, thank you for making me cry, fathead? <laughs> thank you for making me cry. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm that guy. It's all the emotions. Right. I'm that guy at school. Okay. 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 I was going to say, yeah, I'm that guy at school. It makes the girls cry. I apologize. (laughs) No, Kelsey, you've been amazing. And I clearly you can see now though, the shit you got to be looking at in your own self work, right? You got to be looking at feelings of not just the abandonment and that they weren't there, but also feeling like I don't matter, like I'm not good enough, but also that your feelings and your desire to have a sense of self and boundaries that I now have to take control of my life because ain't nobody going to honor my boundaries if I don't put the fucking boundaries out there. Nobody's going to truly love me until I love myself first. And here's the thing, Kelsey, every time you take an action that the action basically conveys I matter. No, dad, I'm pushing you back or I'm pushing you out. You're conveying to the heavens, I matter. You're taking actions that are rooted in the belief. No, fuck this shit. I matter. Nobody gets to fucking treat me this way. I'm not doing it. Exactly. You're not doing that. Exactly. And so uh, this is where it all. Don't deserve that. (laughs) Hell no. And you never did. No. Kelsey, you've been so great. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're an amazing guest. And I know I speak for everyone who's listening to this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your story with us. And to all of you around the world listening to the Badass Counseling Show, thank you so much for tuning in and have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of the Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer, Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day. Hey, hey, hey.